Let me ask you something. Have you ever wanted to run away? Have you ever wanted to run away? Something ever happened and you were like, oh God, get me out of here, run away. Well, I had a moment like that. I was asked by my youth pastor to help him to co-lead a missions trip to El Salvador. I'd never been to El Salvador before. He asked me to help him lead this trip. And so there we were in the middle of a jungle one night. On one of our expeditions into the jungle, there was a church there, and we had a special service planned for that church. Youth pastor was up, he was preaching his guts out, and then he said, hey, if anyone want to come down to the altar, come on down to the altar. And I was just amazed at how many people came down to the altar to receive prayer uh, that night. And I was really excited, because, you know, while I was there that week, I'd learned a lot of Espanol. I learned a lot of words, a lot of words of Espanol. So I felt really good about this opportunity for me to go in and out, you know, and pray for people, lay hands on people and pray for them. And, and that was one of my favorite things to do. And, and so I wandered away from the translator a little bit. And in my desire, I started laying hands on people, praying for stronger faith. You know, that they would have a stronger faith. They would have more faith in God, you know. That, that was very important to me. And so I began to do that. And man, God was moving because people were weeping, they were weeping, and then there was people, some of them looked at me with puzzled faces, but I just figured it was like the Spirit of God moving on them in a different way, right? So I was just like praying all the harder, more faith, strong faith. Well, and then the translator started to wander my way, and then I noticed him lean in and listen to me praying for people. And then he smiled, and he pulled me aside. He said, Matt, what do you think you're praying for these people? I said, well, I'll tell you. I'm praying that God would give them a stronger faith. Give them more faith in the name of Jesus. He said, well, I could see why you would think that. Well, actually what you're praying, you're praying that God would make them more ugly. In the name of Jesus. So funny thing, there is a difference between the word, a small difference, mind you, between the word fe, which is faith, and the word ugly, which is feo. So I had been saying feo over, that's why the Espanol campus never invites me to speak at their campus, so I don't know, it's, I'm working on it, but sometimes moments in mission, they'll make you want to run away, make you want to run away, and I'm excited that we get to start our mission series together today, it's just going to be a great time over the next few weeks, if you'll turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Jonah, so every single week is going to build on the next, you're not going to want to miss it, every single week is going to be really important as we as a church family learn to grow our hearts for the nations. Amen? If you, if you agree with me, say amen to that. We're going to read out of Jonah chapter 1. We're going to read verses 1 through 12. We're going to skip to verse 15 through 17. I hope you brought your Bibles. I hope you'll read along with me as I read aloud. Amen. Here we go. This is our foundation for our time together. We're going to focus on the messenger. We're going to focus on the messenger, which was really the prophet Jonah was the messenger. We're going to see some things in his heart that uh, may parallel with our hearts. I think God's gonna use this messenger to speak to us. So here we go, verse one. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, arise. Everybody say, arise. Great, y'all are with me, that's awesome. Go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah arose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish, that's a tongue twister. So he paid the fare, went down into it to go with him to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord sent out a great wind on the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship was about to be broken up. Then the mariners were afraid, and every man cried out to his God, 
threw the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten the load. But Jonah had gone down into the lowest parts of the ship and had lain down and was fast asleep. Everyone say asleep. Thank you. So the captain came to him and said to him, what do you mean, sleeper? Arise, call on your God. Perhaps your God will consider us so that we may not perish. And they said to one another, come, let us cast lots that we may know who's caused this trouble has come upon us. So they cast lots and the lot fell to Jonah. Bad day for Jonah. Then they said to him, please tell us for whose cause is this trouble upon us? What is your occupation and where do you come from? What is your country and of what people are you? So he said to them, I'm a Hebrew. I fear the Lord, the God of heaven who made the sea and the dry land. Then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, why have you done this? For the men knew that he had fled from the presence of the Lord. He told them that. Then they said to them, what shall we do to you that the sea may be calm for us? For the sea was growing even more tempestuous. He said to them, pick me up and throw me into the sea. Then the sea will become calm for you. For I know that this great tempest is become because of me. Down to verse 15. So they picked up Jonah and they threw him into the sea. And the sea ceased from its raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly and offered a sacrifice to the Lord, and they took vows. Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. And this, my friends, is, is God's word. It's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and for training for each and every one of us in righteousness to equip us for God's work. I mean, if you know Nineveh, just a little bit of a background, Nineveh was the capital city of the Assyrian Empire. It's present-day Iraq. One of the cruelest and most violent regimes of ancient times known for the extreme torture of its enemies. 2 Kings chapter 14 and verse 25 tells us that at the period Jonah was serving as the prophet, King Jeroboam II was the king of the land of Israel. And he was a pretty militaristic king who had a desire to obliterate all the people outside of Israel and the surrounding areas to reclaim additional territories for God. And we know from 2 Kings 14, 25, that Jonah was in alignment with this king. He wanted to see that happen. He wanted to see everyone outside of Israel obliterated for the glory of God. He actually stood opposed to other prophets like Amos and Hosea, for example, who... Uh, did not agree with the king and his tactics. But Jonah, Jonah was in alignment with the king. So it's within this tension that we see Jonah, God's messenger, run the other way when he gets the mandate. In fact, 2,500 miles away. In fact, I wanted you to see just how far away that was. So there's a little bit of a, a map here for you. We're going to a little geography lesson. So right here you see in Israel, that's where Jonah was when God calls him to go to Nineveh, which is up and to the right. And we know that Jonah went exactly to the left. He went down and to the left, all the way to Tarshish, which was 2,500 miles away. But you also need to know that it would have taken him, Joppa was like 300 miles away from where he was in Israel. It would have taken him probably about a week and a half to walk there, to board a boat, which would then have taken him another two weeks to travel on the open sea. And so this was a significant departure from the Lord. This was... Disobedience after disobedience after disobedience, you see. I mean, it was a big deal. But this was actually the first time that God had ever asked a prophet of Israel to reach outside of his initial context, his chosen people, to reach out to the Gentiles to offer any kind of salvation. It was the first time God had ever asked a prophet. So God was clearly on the move, 
God was on the move to, to move this missionary's heart, this messenger's heart, right, Jonah, from his neighborhood to Nineveh. And I believe the Holy Spirit is on the move in our hearts today to move us from our neighborhoods to the nations. And so today we're going to make four critical observations as we have read the text. We've read the foundation here for us today. We're going to ask, the Lord's asking us to make four observations. We're going to learn what it means to grow, what it means to go, what it means to give, and what it means to pray. But first, let's look at what it means to grow, but more specifically to grow in God's vision for others. How many of you know Jonah was not on the same page as God? You see, he was on God's heart to rescue Nineveh. He wanted to reach out to Nineveh, and he wanted to use the prophet that was most in favor of destroying that nation to help restore Nineveh. Jonah, on the other hand, had a really specific vision of what the family of God should look like, like the chosen children of Israel, and that's it. People that walked like he did, people that talked like he did, people that um, acted a lot like he did. That's what the family of God should look like. Well, we could talk about the fears that Jonah may have had, may have had to face, you know, when, when God approached him and said, I want you to go to Nineveh because, hey, Assyrians were a pretty violent lot. But I don't think we could say that fear was the primary driving force that pushed Jonah all the way across the sea. Can we talk a little bit about pride? Can we talk a little bit about personal pride? I mean, here, maybe pride in his righteous standing, I mean, here is God's chosen vessel to be the mouthpiece of God to the children of Israel. How many of you know that that can really weigh on somebody a little bit, you know? I am God's chosen instrument. So maybe he didn't really feel like he needed God's mercy anymore. And he's also, hey, how about his standing in the kingdom, his position in the kingdom? Didn't really, you know, hey, he got to report directly to the king on matters. He got to talk to the king about what God wanted so between his righteous standing and between his position in the kingdom, it'd be very easy for Jonah to have looked at all of those things and, and said, you know what, I don't really need the mercy of God for my own life. You know, it can happen to someone. You can get it kind of mixed up in your head and in your heart. I don't really need, the see the problem though, is that people that don't need the mercy of God suddenly have a very difficult time extending mercy to others. So Jonah is in trouble, and God puts his finger right into Jonah's heart, his pride-filled heart, and he asks this prophet, look, Jonah, Jonah, I want you to think outside of Israel. I, I want you to include the unlovely. I want you to include the, the hostile. I want you to include the outsider. I can remember a time when God did the same for me, put his finger into my heart, and asked me to do the same. I was 24 years old and I had taken a group of college-age students over to Los Angeles Dream Center. You know, we had traveled 24 hours from Dallas to, to get there for that moment of mission. And so we were all very excited to, to serve that week. And, and it came a, a specific day. We were assigned to a neighborhood, a, a Section 8 housing neighborhood assigned by the government. The government comes in and takes care of that area. And so, but uh, as it was their normal rhythm, we went ahead and uh, laid out the pallets of food. And then we took the food and we, we bagged it, right? We bagged it all. So we spent all morning bagging food. And then while we were doing that, there was this huge line that was forming 
to, to get the food. And so as people were getting their food and leaving, we would pray a blessing over them. You know, bless you. May the Lord bless you and keep you. Cause his face shine upon you. May, Jesus loves you, you know. And then we got to the very end of the line and there was a, there was a lady at the very end, you know, and, and, and we realized we were out of food. We just had a little bit left. So we took the food. We took what little we had and we, we bagged it up and we, we tied it up. We gave it to her and we said, look, I, I, we're so sorry. This is all we have left. But go with God and, and may, the, may the Lord bless you. And keep. You know, she took that food. She paused for a moment and this look of disgust came on her face. She took that food. And you know what she did? She threw it back in our face and she began to curse at us. She began to curse at us. She walked away. She's all mad, just talking over her shoulder. I'm gonna call the government on you. I'm gonna tell on you because you're not taking care of my needs. And I suddenly had a problem. I was on mission, but I was angry. I mean, I was very angry. And the Lord used that moment to stick his finger into my heart. You know how he'll do that sometimes? He stuck his finger right in my heart and he asked me a few questions. A few questions that would serve to transform my heart to grow for others. But he asked me this question. He said, hey, Matt, are you on mission for yourself this week? Or are you really on mission for others? Matt, did you, did you really think it would be easy for you this week on mission to drug addicts and, and alcoholics and homeless and you know, those who have been displaced? Did you think it was gonna be like a cakewalk? Did you think it would be easy to dispense hope to hopelessness? Or maybe you expected that uh, everybody that you reach out to is just going to embrace your charity and say, thank you so much for being so charitable. You know, the Lord has a very specific way of speaking to my heart. And I felt convicted. He would put his finger in my heart and exposed the pride. And it occurred to me, you know, I mean, it really did, that as disciples, we know that God has sent us out. Scripture tells us that he has sent us out as sheep among wolves. But sometimes our experience with wolves keep us running back to sheep. And so we can spend all of our time hanging out with, with other sheep, and it's certainly easier to hang out with other sheep than it is to have a vision to win wolves. You know what I mean? Roughly 42% of the world has never heard the gospel, and that's a daunting task. That translates into 3 billion people who've never heard the gospel. 3 billion people have never heard the name of Jesus. But today, I believe as a church family, the Holy Spirit's leading us to a very specific moment, a very specific moment where, where all of us can ask ourselves the question, hey, or answer it for the Lord specifically when he says, hey, is there room in your church? Is there room in your heart for the unlovely? Is there room in your heart for those who have done you wrong? Is there room in your heart for those who are traditionally hostile to you? Is there room for those who have resisted you in the past? Those who look different than you do. Mark 16, 15 says that we should really go into all the world. It's a mandate, right? For all disciples, for all Christians, for all time. Go into all the world to preach the gospel to every creature. That means everyone in San Antonio. That means everyone in Vietnam needs to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. Matthew 28, 19, go into all the world, go to all the nations. Preach the gospel to all the nations, right? Matthew 24, hey, this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached, then the end will come. 
That mandate is for you. That mandate is for me. It's for Gateway Fellowship Church. And we have a responsibility, whether it's San Antonio, whether it is Vietnam, whether it's Arab nations, we have a responsibility to expand our hearts and to grow into God's vision for others. But we also have a responsibility to go public with our faith for others. To go public with our faith. Jonah boards a boat bound for Tarshish, and from our reading, we know that a violent storm overtakes the boat. The pagan sailors begin to look for anything. Like They begin to panic. They begin to look for a solution. It's a very interesting scenario because on this boat, we see both unbeliever and believer alike on the same boat facing the same exact storm. You know, you're reading deeply into this story, and this story was penned thousands of years ago, but it could have been an allegory for what we're dealing with right now. Because right now, at this very moment, our whole world is in the same boat, facing a same pandemic, believer and unbeliever alike. Not to mention, you, in America, you throw in a heated election and rioting and unrest in our countries and officials telling us to stay home and, and quarantine. It's, it's only natural, right? With all this focus on self-preservation, it's only natural for us to, to begin to, to walk away from the whole idea that we really should care about others. We really should be thinking about others. As a church family, we simply cannot miss the opportunity that's in front of us for the church to be the church. The church should be the church. So let's come back into scripture. Where's Jonah? Where's he at? The ship's in chaos and everybody's running around. Everybody's afraid. Everybody's a little bit anxious. Let me ask you, do you know anyone who's afraid right now? Do you know anyone who's anxious right now? There's a lot of anxiety in our culture right now. And if anyone can offer a solution, it should have been the prophet of God. It should have been the one who like connects directly with heaven and earth, the mouthpiece of heaven. But where is he at? He's asleep in the boat, asleep. Are you kidding me? One Scottish commentator makes the statement. He says, hey, this guy was sleeping a sleep of sorrow because he, he didn't want to be awake. He wanted to be asleep. He wanted to try and ignore the conviction. He wanted to try and ignore the guilt. He wanted to ignore the hatred and the anger that he felt for these people. So he was trying to ignore God. How many of you have ever slept a sleep of sorrow in your life? to try and escape what the Lord has been sharing with you or telling you, circumstance you're in. I don't know, the man who held the very key to calming the storm remained tucked away. He's tucked away in the basement of the ship. I can't hide my disappointment. You know how I feel about him right now in this moment, a pretty tough moment, right? Well, the, the pagan captain, he feels the same way. He's wandering the ship one day and fine, you know, it's like, it's like rocking back and forth. A lot of storm stuff happening around us. Ship's breaking up. He finds Jonah sleeping and he says, arise sleeper. Don't you know what's happening? Do you have any clue what's, what's going on? We are all about to die. At least arise and call on your God. You know, it's ironic because God calls the prophet to point the pagans back to God. But here on this boat, it was the pagans pointing the prophet back to God. I had an opportunity to sit down with a Christian brother from Cairo, Egypt, of all places, right? Uh, military actually brought him in. He's a, 
ranking official in the Egyptian military. And he's here and he's, he's uh, training, consulting with some of the military members here in San Antonio. And so we had a special opportunity, some of the missions team, to be able to sit down with him over coffee. It was the last week and we were just asking him about his heritage. We were asking him about his faith in Christ, how he came to faith in the Lord. And then at some point in that conversation, we all had the opportunity to ask, well, how can we be praying for you? And um, his reply was sobering. It was sobering because he, he, he looked back at us and he said, pray for us. Well, let me tell you, Matt, we are, we're doing great. Let me tell you that in spite of the peer persecution, our church continues to grow. The Spirit of God is moving and believers are, are rallying together like never before to, to see God move in our country. We really should be praying for you. Speaking of the church in America, and I was, <laughs> so okay, I'm, I'm listening. I'm suddenly listening, right? I mean, my ears are perked up. How, how can, he said, I'm afraid your freedoms, I'm afraid that your freedoms and your distractions have, have made you a little soft. I'm afraid that all these freedoms have disconnected you and made you out of touch with God's assignment on the world, God's assignment on the church. He paused for a moment and then he, then he tried to apologize for being so blunt to us. And instead I said, no, pray for us that nothing of what you have said would come upon us. That our church family, specifically Gateway, certainly the big C, we want the big C to, to rally to the nations, but hey, as far as it relates to Gateway Fellowship Church, would you pray that none of what you have said would happen to us? That we would not become disconnected from the heart of God for the nations? Because Jonah was in danger of becoming irrelevant. And what this brother was telling me at the table is that brothers all over the world are looking at the American church and they're saying, you're in danger of becoming irrelevant too. What good is it to have the hope of Jesus Christ in our hearts when we keep it hidden away, keep it locked up in the basement? The one person who had an opportunity to share about the mercy and the grace and the love of Jesus Christ, the love of God at least, right? In that boat was asleep. He was asleep. Where are you at today? Are you asleep? Has all of this happening caused you to, to crawl inwardly into your homes and, and to forget to pray, to forget to remember, to forget to labor for the nations? 1 Peter 3.15 says, always be prepared to give a reason for the hope that you have in Christ Jesus. Always. Private faith is of no public good. And we saw that in Jonah. So let's win our neighbors. Let's start there. Let's certainly win our neighbors. Let's serve our neighbors. Let's love our neighbors. But who's going to go to the nations? 400,000 missionaries, guys. 400,000 missionaries are out there, but only 3% of them are currently working in areas that have no access to the gospel. 3%. Isn't that crazy? 7,000 people groups have never heard the name of Jesus. That's whole entire cultures that have yet to hear about the hope that we can have in Christ. We can really do better about going public with our faith for others. Amen? The third thing that we can do here today is we can give our life for others. We can do that. I love this situation. God absolutely loves Jonah. 
God loves Jonah too much to let him live beneath the mercy and the grace of God. Jonah tries to run away, but God uses the journey that Jonah was taking to speak to Jonah. How many of you know every single step that he took, God was speaking to him? God was speaking to him every single step. The moment he said, I'm not going, he started going the opposite direction. You know God was talking to him. God God could have raised up someone else. God could have raised up someone, a new person to go speak to Nineveh, but God had it in his heart to use Jonah. He chose Jonah because he loved Jonah, and he knew that Jonah had a heart problem. He wanted Jonah's heart to be transformed, so he stuck it out with Jonah. How many of you are glad that God has stuck it out with you? So Jonah runs in the opposite direction, but God gets his attention with a storm. Storms can wake us up, you know. If we allow the Lord, he can use this season of storm to wake us up and give us a new love for others. We can use it. Matthew chapter 10, verse 39, Jesus makes the statement, he who, you know, he who finds his life is going to lose it. He who loses his life for my sake will find it. It's a kingdom principle. It doesn't make a lick of sense. But you got to lose your life to find your life. And in one moment, Jonah realizes this. And he surrenders. Looks at the pagan sailors and he says, throw me overboard. Pick me up and throw me into the sea and the sea will be calm for you. And so they did. Reminds me of Mark 10 verse 45, very popular scripture around here. The son of man came to, not to be served, but to be served, to serve others, right? And to give his life ultimately to give his life as a ransom for many. So many of you may be out there asking the question, what does it mean to give your life for others? Does it mean I have to die? Well, certainly spiritually speaking, yes, maybe emotionally speaking a little bit for sure. Our family is always asking the question, how can we learn to give better to others? And so we, we, uh, one way that we're doing that is we're reading through these missions books. These missions books help to build our faith, grow our faith in the Lord, help us to understand what God is doing all over the world, but also introduces us to people who have been answering that question over and over again in their own minds, like, what does it mean to give my life for others? One of these missionaries is Lillian Trasher. At the age of nine, Lillian was walking home from work one day, and she found a log on her way home, and she knelt down beside that log, and she prayed a very simple prayer to the Lord. She said, Lord... um, if I can ever do anything for you, anything at all, would you let me know? Because I'll do it. I'll do it. You know, this simple prayer at the age of nine led her, led her to develop a love, a greater love for orphans. And that, that love led her to another opportunity that she said yes to in North Carolina where she worked at an orphanage. And that all that time that she developed then cultivated that calling and that love for orphans led her to be able to say yes to another opportunity in Egypt where she opened up her own orphanage and ministered to hundreds of orphans and widows all because, and listen, all because she said yes at the age of nine. You know, we, we make the mistake when we look at the leap from like, what, what is God asking me to do now to now I'm gonna go to Egypt. That's not the way God works. God's asking you to say yes in the small things. And every single yes is leading you on a path to becoming better and giving your life away for others. It develops a pattern of obedience to the Lord. One friend here from our church family wrestled with this question at a recent Kingdom Builder luncheon. He just very simply said, hey, 
God, I know you're asking me to do something for the nations, but I have a nine to five career. You know, every single day, how in the world am I going to give back to the nations? And he said he felt like the Lord was asking him to develop like a little side hustle based on his experience and what he does every single day. Ken, would you consider giving the, the proceeds of that effort to missions? And so he set off immediately. He said, yes, Lord. He started up this business. He's doing it to raise funding for, for missions. It starts by saying, yes, Lord. Giving your life away starts by saying, yes, Lord, I will pray for the missionary. Yes, Lord, I'll be a small group leader. Yes, Lord, I'll, I'll serve. Yes, Lord, I will train. Yes, Lord, I'll, I'll speak to that person in the grocery store that you, you, you tell me that you want them to know about you. I'll, I'll, I'll share. It's going to be awkward, but I'll share. Starts by all the little yeses, and then God strings all those little yeses together to form a lifestyle of obedience to him in giving to others. But finally today, you know, I mean, in addition to all of these things, God wants us to pray to God for others. It's interesting, in the middle of the storm and ships being beaten up, we see the sailors pray. We see Jonah pray. <laughs> those things can wake us up to praying like never before. It's interesting that it took Jonah going to the bottom of the sea for his highest priority to come into full view, praying for others. He walks in humility, right? Ask God for forgiveness. I'm so sorry I've been so selfish, God. And that humility is what paved the way for the heart of God to move on behalf of Jonah. 2 Chronicles 7.14 says, hey, if my people who are called by my name, you know, the Right? will humble themselves, will pray, will turn from their wicked ways, seek my face, I will hear from heaven. But we gotta walk in that humility, walk into prayer. Jonah's prayer for others opened the pathway for him to reach others. It starts with prayer. I wonder today what it will take to move your heart from the neighborhood to the nations. Jesus, what will it take for you to move my heart from the neighborhood to the nations? He's asking us to grow. He's asking us to go. He's asking us to give, and he's asking us to pray. And I hope you'll do that today. You know, it's interesting. At the very end of this story, our messenger is a mess. <laughs> you know? By Jonah chapter four, it doesn't feel like he's had any progression. There's a difference though. He's there. He's there. He's in Nineveh. A few pages before, and that, that, that boy was in Tarshish. But now he's in Nineveh. And his heart is moving. His heart is moving. How many of you are glad that the Lord puts up with us? How many of you are glad that the Lord is patient with us in leading our hearts? Today, I feel like he would ask you and he would ask me, to open our hearts to grow for him and for the nations. And I wonder today, how many of you would say, you feel like the Lord is asking you, he'd be challenging you right now to grow your heart for the nations. If that's you, would you just raise your hand all over this place? You wanna grow your heart for the nations. You wanna begin to pray for the nations. You wanna learn how to give for the nations. You wanna learn how to go for the nations. Whether it's San Antonio or whether it's all across the world, go into every nation for the sake of the gospel. I see your hand. Let's pray. Father, right now in Jesus' name, you see these hands. Lord, you're raising up a, just an army. You're raising up an army out of this church, Lord God, that is going to make an impact in the nations. 
We're going to go to the nations in your name, Lord God. And it starts in moments like this where you expand our hearts to understand your heart for others. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Secondly, it it would be a mistake for me to pass up a moment with a story like Jonah. You know, it's very easy for us at different stages in our lives to see ourselves in someone like Jonah. Jonah ran away from God. We see a situation where God chased him through circumstance and ultimately Jonah surrenders. I give up, God. I wonder how many are out there today and you see a little bit of yourself in Jonah. But if you're honest with yourself, the circumstance, the situations you've been facing as of late or maybe most of your life, you, if you look back over it, you can maybe see the hand of God and you haven't been honest with yourself. But here in this moment, in front of all these people, you would just say very clearly, this moment is for me and I wanna take advantage of this opportunity to invite Jesus Christ to come into my life and to transform me from the inside out. I want to surrender. And if that's you, and you maybe have never done this before, or maybe you're making a choice and a declaration today that you're gonna recommit your heart to the Lord, I wanna invite you to just raise your hand with me right now. Raise your hand. If that's you, just raise your hand. No need to be afraid. No need to be ashamed. If that's you, just raise your hand in this place. I'd love for you to take the next step by standing with me. I'm standing too, and I'll stand right here with you. There are my, fr- my friends want to see you. They want to they meet with you, and they want to help take you to your next step, which is at the starting line to help you grow in your faith and your walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. All right. Well, let's pray. Let's pray for the nations, and let's pray for our heart. If you're standing... And you want to invite the Lord to come into your life, you're going to pray this simple prayer with me in Jesus' name, wherever you're at. Father, I've been running from you, and I am sorry. I have broken your heart. Jesus, your word tells me that if I ask you to forgive me of my sin, that you will do it. Would you forgive me of my sin? Would you come into my heart? Would you transform me? from the inside out. I've tried to do a lot of things to transform my own heart. I've made a mess of my life. I need you to come in and make me new. Please, help me to live for you, Jesus. I pray that your Holy Spirit would fill me and help me to live for you on mission like never before. It's your name that I pray all these things, Jesus. Amen.